welcome to West Underground, uh, and thank you, Blake, for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so tell us about yourself. Uh, well, my name's Blake Gutierrez, and I'm a bass guitarist, a songwriter, and I play in a plethora of bands. Um, I, I've been playing music since I was five. Like, I started on the piano doing, like, all this, you know, the stuff you do in school. Uh, and then I got a bass guitar, and when I went to high school, I met some friends, um, and they were... Like, I played bass guitar and they needed a bass guitarist. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. And we yeah. just started learning, like, ACDC and, like, all these old school kind of music to just play. And we needed a singer. And it kind of, like, got me hooked. And the two people that I went to high school with um, now play in a band together called Star Crazy. Oh, nice. um, so that's the singer and the guitarist. So we all went to high school together. Um, and... After that, so yeah, it got to the point where I was, you know, going out to see bands and then Frankie's opened and I went to see the house band that were playing and it's just like, just phenomenal musicians. Like every time I went to see them, I felt like I learned something new. And I was talking to the bass player um, after a gig once and realized that, you know, it's a reality. You can make money from music. And so that's when it kind of dawned on me. It's like, oh, I can do this. I'm going to try and do this. So I started to like put myself out there for cover gigs uh, as a bass guitarist. And around that time as well, I joined a new band, left my high school band and joined a new band, Vanity Riots. Mm. Did a couple of tours. We went over to the Philippines and Indonesia and played over there. That was, that was cool. Yeah, that was, it was nice. just a different cult. Like music is a different, a different thing over there compared to here. So what was it like when you first went over to the Philippines? Um, well, we're on the plane and our singer, Monica, paid for Wi-Fi or something on the plane just to make sure we were in the loop with everything. And while we were halfway over there, our, our guitarist, who's Filipino, was basically our tour manager, yeah, yeah. Um, messaged her and like we were halfway over there going, oh, yeah. uh, you guys land at like 10 in the morning or something. Um do you reckon you'd be up for playing a show that night? Like we had a bunch of shows planned, but oh, this wow. was like super last minute. Yeah. And then we get there and like none of us have been there and it's like it's like there are no traffic rules. It's like wow. there, there are buses playing chicken with each other just to try and get into it's like <laughs> so we're like he's driving us to this gig and we're playing on this this like f like college football field basically. Yeah. And it's like all the all the kids are in the stands, like the bleachers or the stands, and everyone's watching this show and it's like there's there's like hundreds of people at the show yeah. and it's like this is nuts and there'd be there'd be other times where we we played at a, a show um in manila at manila's version of hot damn basically oh, yeah. um and that was that was intense like that place was a lot of fun um and just like the the kind of eye-opening thing for me in that country where um in terms of the difference in the, the cultures when it comes to music is that like we had a show that was cancelled the night before and we woke up and BJ did his thing and like tour managed and, you know, sorted out a gig for that night. So at 8 a.m. we had a, a show locked, a new show locked in. By 8 p.m. there were like 300 people there. Right. And it's like 12 hours notice, 300 people. Whereas yeah. here yeah, yeah, yeah. you need like six months yeah, to get 300 people exactly to a show right. at, at like for a band that was like at a local level yeah. so it was it was really eye-opening i had a i had a really good time over there 
Um, yeah. And then we went to Indonesia and uh, played a few shows there as well. Was it much the same over there? Much kind of the same way that they, uh, you know, that they kind of, you're getting lots of people to your shows like you did in the Philippines? Yeah, it was a bit different because we didn't have as many, it's, it's a completely different dialect. So BJ, in terms of being a tour manager, was essentially useless. He was yeah. just a member of the band yeah. in Indonesia because it's a different language. Um, so we played and we were mainly in Kuta Beach, which is like the tourist area. It's like where everyone in Australia goes to holiday when they go to Bali is Kuta Beach. So we're in that area and there are a couple of cool little bars that we played at and then we went, we took a boat out to some island and I got a fresh tattoo and they'd be like, uh, when I was back in the Philippines, so there's a fresh tattoo on my ankle and you're carrying like, you know, $2,000 worth of the guitar pedals and your guitars in this water into a boat Fine, and things like that. And I got a fresh tattoo and I'm just oh. like, this is like not what I expected. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I wouldn't have got the tattoo if I knew I had to do this. It's like, don't drop this. Like I don't can't afford tattoo. to replace this. Don't drop this. And yeah. the tattoo, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck, that'll like, I'll just put some antiseptic cream on mm. and that'll be fine. Um, but that was, that was a, a really cool experience. Mm. And especially like, I'd, I'd only really been overseas when I was, uh, other than that, when I was 16, I went to Germany. Um, so to experience a, a country, like a culture like the Philippines and Indonesia was, was amazing. Mm. And to do it like on tour. And so, yeah, so after Vanity Riots, I started to get more work as a bass player, like hustling and meeting people and playing shows with other people. And then obviously if you do a good job, they'll ask you back. Mm. Um, and then around that time, around like a year after the house band started, um, they started talking about putting together this karaoke band, which the guitarist in the house band and his brother had trialed at various other places like Black Cherry. Um, and so, and they got this guy called Dave Eastgate, who's a comedian. He's probably one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Um, to spearhead that whole thing. And I just kept hounding Jordan because I wasn't really like in with that group of musicians. I just kept hassling him. I was like, hey, what's happening with this? We'd go to Frankie's and try and like yeah. get him face to face and go, like, what's happening with this? Until he finally was like, okay, awesome. Like we've got it all sorted. Um, this is the band. It's with um, Andrew Grant, uh, Pierre Ishak and Dave Eastgate. And the funny thing is like Dave never actually asked me to join the band. Wow. It's like there was never a- any like – do you want to be in the band? It was basically like just assumed. Mm. And it's just one, one of those wow. funny things where usually it's like, okay, so this is what we're doing. Do you want in? Yeah. And it was, it was, there was nothing like that. It was just kind of just assumed. So I did one practice, like a, an, an introduction gig with Dave yeah. at Factory Theatre. And I'd listen to the songs. And when you're learning the songs, like you listen to the lyrics. Was and it it's, he, it's was re- it his songs? Yeah, his own, so oh, his, yeah. his own songs. And it's really hard to get to the end of the song without laughing because yeah. the lyrics are just so ridiculous. <laughs> and then the end of the songs, he'll just rip into his, like, sentence. Yeah, yeah, he'll just, just do his comedy. Just yeah. Funny. So, like, I there was one point, because I was just not prepared for his comedy, uh, there was one point where, like, the song finished and I picked up my beard and he just said something and I just spat my beard <laughs> all over <laughs> my pedal board. Does that set up for you and he goes, oh, I jizz in my pants when I spew? Uh, that, like, was, that was, I, I, was, I was like, I was used to that at that yeah. point because yeah. I had to listen to that so many times yeah. to learn the songs. But it was just, he was just going into his, his improvised comedy. Yeah. And it's just, 
I can't remember what he said, but it just took me by surprise and I just spat my beer all over my pedal board. And that just made the joke even funnier because it's like so, so candid that that happened. Um, And so, yeah, and that turned into something that we've been... uh, Five years now. Like ignoring coronavirus, like that's something that's been we've been doing for like close to six years now. Yeah, six years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then so after Vanity Rights, we we all got to a point where we were just like kind of like needing to do other things. Yeah. And we're all still friends. We all we we met up like two weeks ago or something for beers. Like we're all still friends and all that. So it's it was just a mutual thing. Um, I started to. I started my own band, yeah, uh, which was Molly and the Krells, and that's still going to this day, which is great. And that's that's my vessel for yeah. my, for songwriting. That's my passion project, yeah. and that's the thing that means the most to me out of everything that I'm doing musically. Yeah. So, so how did that come about? Yeah. So as a first band, how did you find? The, was it mm. hard to find the right people? Yeah, yeah. It was hard. It was. It was. I basically asked my friends if they would help me out. There's all people in other bands like yeah. um, Odin from who's in Star Crazy now. So the guy that I went to high school with, I just asked him, I was like, do you want to do this just to help me get it started yeah. so I can get the ball rolling? Um, he had his own band going at the time. Uh, my friend Hayden who plays, uh, who sings in a band called Black Heartbreakers. Um, yeah. Uh, he also, like same deal. I was like, you've got your own band, but, do you want to help me get this started? I ran into this guy at a Misfit show that I'd known for a while. And I just asked him after the show. I was like, I know you're a drummer. You don't have, your band just broke up. I'm just trying to start a punk band. Do you want to do it? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, and that we, we put out a few EPs and there was various lineup changes because it got to the point where like Odin couldn't do two bands at the same time. Hayden couldn't do two bands at the yeah. same time and people, and it was all mutual. Like it was going to happen. Yeah. Well, you yeah. asked them to help after we get to roll. Exactly. They exactly. Like mm-hmm. the whole premise of yeah. it was like, this was eventually going to happen. Yeah. Um, and the lineup that we've had at the moment is, has been together for about two years. Yeah. And we've, we've done, um, we've recorded two songs at Electric Sun with Stevie Knight. And one of them is out. One of them, What Went Wrong. We put that out um, in February. And then the tour got cut short because of coronavirus. And because of all the restrictions, I was telling you before, we played at La La La's in Wollongong and because of all the restrictions, they couldn't have as many people in the venue. So on a technicality, we sold out La La La's. (laughs) I was like, yes, yes. Um, And that that, that show was the last show before... The country went into lockdown. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so that was a really cool way to end things. Yeah. yeah. End on a high note after like such a depressing yeah. thing, like a global pandemic happens. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then on the side of all that as well, I've been um, trying to uh, teach myself guitar, and I started taking lessons uh, as well to get better at that, uh, just to improve my songwriting and, sh- and yeah. just delve, go down that rabbit hole of information, which is songwriting and get better at that kind of thing. And so I've been doing that. And then uh, right, I've got a whole album worth of songs that I don't really have any plans for. Yeah. So usually what I'll try and do is if I write a song, I'll try and find a way to make it 
into a Molly and the Krell song. But if it's like too personal or not the right vibe, I'll just keep it to myself and then I'll just yeah, well, you know, one of the record Krell it. Song that was a bit personal. It was about the one about your sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I it was a, basically well, not your sister, like just in general. The, like the premise of the song is basically guys that are dicks to women for no yeah. reason. And the song's called Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. The whole concept of gaslighting someone. Yeah. Um, and it was the inspiration came from a situation my sister was in. Wow. And I wrote a whole song about it, and um, and it's lyrically like one of my. It's just sits sits the best out of that whole EP, mm. that losing friends EP that we did. That kind of lyrically sits the best with me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you're learning guitar, is that when you decided to do like solo gigs at beer gardens, pubs, mm. and on Sunday afternoon sessions? Yeah. Is that the, was it the goal, or was it just the? Yeah. Well, that was kind of like there's there's plenty like a couple of things that were like productive from that. I got the inspiration to do that when I, I was out with some friends at a bar and there was someone playing, like doing an acoustic thing and he sucked. Like, I, I don't know who it was. Yeah. I'd never met the person in my life, but he was so bad. And I was like, this guy sucks. Like even I could do this. Well, and then yeah, it clicked and I was go. like, even I could do this. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so I, um, I started to learn a bunch of songs and I knew you have to have a repertoire and you yeah. have to like crowd plays. There's going to be some songs that, yeah. I didn't really want to learn mm. that I would have to yeah. learn, which is fine. Like, I, there's not really like a band out there that I dislike. Mm. It's just you just don't have enough time in the day to get around to everything that's out there at the moment. Like, I I I poke fun at Metallica all the time because PA loves Metallica, <laughs> yeah. but it's like I don't dislike Metallica. Nice. Like, no matter how many times I play Enter Sandman, like it still kicks ass. Like, yeah, it's still it a good song. It is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's there'd be songs that like it's things like Sweet Child of Mine and Living on a Prayer that like everyone yeah, wants you to of, play and you're yeah, like yeah. here uh-huh. we go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things like that. Um but that that was like this there was like a it was how do I say this? Twice as productive for me yeah. because suddenly I was doing like all these gigs. I'd like basically doubled my income mm-hmm. by taking on this acoustic stuff. And at the same time, I was gradually getting better at singing, getting better at guitar and getting to this point where like I would, could actually play guitar as opposed yeah. to just slamming yeah. out power chords, not really knowing yeah. what I'm doing. Just yeah. saying, oh, that sounds cool. All right. Yeah, nice. So... There, and so I did that for about a year. Well, so I started like last January, January 2019, doing the acoustic gigs. Oh. And then it got to March and coronavirus happened and obviously that kind of had to stop. Yeah. But um, I got this idea from this singer. Her name's Grace Drummond. Um, she's a singer for a Melbourne band called Something Something Explosion. And when coronavirus happened, everything shut down. Like all these mus- musicians and hospitality workers were out of work. And she just put a status up going, like, if anyone wants to pay me 20 bucks to cover a song, uh, help me pay my bills, yeah. I'll do it. And I was like, that's a really good idea. So I did that. And yeah. I started this covered series. Well, you, you, you getting people to pay you or are you just doing Yeah, yeah, like send me 20 bucks to, to gonna, cover a song. I was going to suggest you Cats and Cradle, but I was like, well. Oh, okay. uh, Cats, yeah. I was yeah. going to suggest you one. I just keep beginning to do it because no, it's all good I, I basically wrapped it up now because mm. i feel weird because JobKeeper kicked in and i got yeah. JobKeeper and things like that so i feel weird like going you know give me 20 bucks and i'll cover a song yeah. it's like yeah. like it was basically the premise of it was to help me pay my phone bill and help me eat and, and stuff like that 
um because i bought my phone um on a plan so yeah, like my yeah, phone yeah. bill is like 140 bucks a month so yeah. i'm still paying it off uh so i was like I'm f- like i need money how am i gonna do this so i you know put the the word out and i've literally got one more and to do and i'm gonna start learning it on monday and then that's that's laid to rest and i'll send everyone oh, that the um uh, <laughs> 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 um that I'll, I'll send everyone that you did the... yourself like play do two different parts split the screen like split the video and you're just like <laughs> 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 it'll be great buddy just if i two, if i had those drops yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so that 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 really like helped me get through things yeah. and then job keeper kicked in and so yeah. i really appreciate yeah, not only did you tell you actually made a song about the coronavirus itself and it yeah. was it's, yeah. the lyrics are really deep and it just it was just an amazing song. Oh, thanks. Did you really think that song was actually as get as big as you thought it was gonna be? No, it was basically like it was in the moment when I was just like, you know, watching live updates of what the government were doing yeah. about lockdowns and things like that. And it was just like a heat of the moment thing. Yeah. It's one of those things where it literally, like, I wrote it in a day. Like, I probably wrote it in, in a couple of hours. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear those stories of people like, I literally wrote it in, like, five minutes. Like, you didn't write it in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you probably wrote it in a couple of hours, yeah. which is which is still a big feat yeah, because yeah. most people, like, sit on songs for months, yeah. years. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you before, like, when you, when you were, you know, doing all these couple of gigs, was it kind of satisfying to be kind of, you know, living life as your full-time, doing music as your full-time occupation? Yeah. Was that like a really good feeling to not have to kind of do the nine-to-five kind of? Yeah, it, w- it was quite, it was liberating because I'd done I'd done, get, uh, done work before that, like um, uh, uh, landscaping work before that. Uh, and, you know, you're getting up at six in the morning, getting home at four in the afternoon or like sometimes worse worse hours than that um and it was good because it was like just weekly pay and it was good to like fund everything you wanted to do but it got to the point where like i realized it became like an option to make money from music like i said talking to bobby and he like he was like people can do that he plays a wolf mother yeah exactly like Like, uh, yeah i was like because i saw his status on instagram he was i'll I'll be at wolf mother i thought he's gonna be the just going to sound check yeah Walks out of stage. Oh, he's playing the bass. Must be checking the bass. And he's keyboard. actually yeah. playing yeah. the bass. Yeah. I was like, hey, "That's Bobby from Freakies." Yeah, he oh, wow. he's he's awesome, and he was he's all he's always been um, supportive. Yeah, and happy to give me advice whenever he wants, mm. like whenever he's able to. Yeah. Like he's yeah he's a great guy. Yeah, he is. I mean, I've met him once at the I think the at the Bullenbush for the Metallica tribute band. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I met Bobby in. And I was wearing a hot shirt as well. And he goes, oh, you, <laughs> yeah. you met Ronnie. I'm like, wait. No, I'm like, no, I haven't met Ronnie. No, I just, I just like the band. So yeah. You're in and I've opened up to a band in LA. Yeah. yeah. So with you playing in the hots overseas, how did, so did you meet Ronnie and Foxy in, when they were living in Sydney? Or? Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of known both of them from different crowds before they got married. Um, I'd kind of known both of them for like 10 years, maybe 11 years now. How old am I? Yeah, about 11 years now. Yeah. Now, di- different crowds and always, like, been friends and, uh, you know, gone to see bands together, played shows together, that kind of thing. And then time came where uh, the bass player that they use in L.A. was also you know, doing the same thing that I do in Sydney, which is 
being a freelance musician, a hired gun. And he was on tour. He was touring Europe with uh, another band. And they're like, we need someone. Like, we've got these shows. Yeah. Do you like, and they just got in contact with me and it's like, do you want to, uh, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Before that, they asked me to play bass on the, the EP that they have yeah. down in Melbourne. That's right. Yeah. Because they were going for a very Australian hard rock yeah. sound. Mm. And they're like, this just makes total sense to get Australians to do this yeah. because they're going to get it. Yeah. So he got um, Mick O'Shea, who used to play in Rose Tattoo, yes. um, and used to play with Kevin Boric as well. Um, uh, and they asked me to do it. So we, we, Mick and I both live in Sydney. So they f- uh, flew us down to Melbourne to work with Mark Opitz, who's done NXS, ACDC, yeah. Divinals. Yeah. Um, and that was an experience because Mark, it's like, he has an idea and he'll suggest it and it works. It's like just always works. Mm. And you're like, oh, I don't know. And then you try it and you're like, damn it, it worked. Like, how does he do that? Yeah. He just like knows what sounds good. Yeah, because it's Foxy Kelly and then drummer and yeah. bass feeling. But it sounds like rock, like Ronnie plays, it sounds like there's two guitars playing. Yeah. But when you yeah. see him live, it's actually him playing. Yeah. That, yeah. Because he does a lot in, he does a lot of guitar work in. Yeah, absolutely. And he did Nice Boys in one take. Mm-hmm. Like that that downstroke in yeah. Nice Boys that he did is in one take. And it's like no one does that these days with the beauty of like Pro Tools and having like di- like digital audio work spaces. I think that's what you call it. Yeah. Um, you can just drop in. You can take multiple takes to get the song done. Mm-hmm. But he just did it in one take. Wow. Um, and so that, that, that whole e- that EP was... Um, a big milestone for that band. Yeah. And I was you know, happy to be a part of it. Yeah. It was good fun. It was because Ronnie Simmons, he also played with the Screaming Jets that I found out recently. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And that, oh, again, that would be a great experience for him to meet. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, he did. I think he played on a guitar. So- He's probably done more more than yeah. this. But he played on, he played a guitar solo in one of their tracks on an album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because his mates with Paul were seen, who's the bass player in Screaming Jets. Yeah. And so Paul was filling in for uh, on bass for Rose Tattoo when they played at Frankie's and they got Ronnie up to play a couple of songs. Um, so that, like, it's, it's, a big, it's a big musical circle. Like, everyone knows each other, basically. Yeah. So when you, when you went to the Los Angeles to play with the host, do you think the music seems a lot different over there than Sydney? Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a different world over there. Yeah. Absolutely. As as it would be in London or Berlin. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's just a different world. What are the main differences that, you know, first, you know, predominantly Australian musicians are going to be watching this? So what are the main differences from, you know, us playing here to going over there, I suppose? Um Where do I start? <laughs> uh uh it's it was it was I can only really speak from my experiences, but yeah. it's it was just a different world. Like, um, you move to LA for a reason. Like, my my theory is like kind of the people that kind of develop um, that whole like big fish in a small pond kind of thing, where they kind of they do everything that they feel that they can do in their hometown, and then yeah. we're like, where it's just like I may as well if I'm going to move somewhere, I may as well move to LA. Yeah. So it's kind of like this city of all these people that have become big fish 
in small ponds and they get restless and they all move to the same city. Yeah. And it's just this, it's like the first time I went there was like a big, it was almost like a culture shock. Yeah. It's, and it's just, it's just a party and it's just nonstop and it's, and it's really easy to get sucked into it. So yeah. it's like, you got to remind yourself, like, why did I come here in the first place? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's not to like, you know, wake up at three in the afternoon and not remember what I did last night. I came here to make music. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's just a completely different world. You have to like, you have to say it to believe it. Because yeah. yeah. I think, I think for a lot of people like LA is the kind of spot that everybody, you know, in Sydney maybe aspires to go, you know, to reach. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it just seems unreal, you know, from, from like, I've never actually, I've never been there in my lifetime and seen the music scene, but from what I see. It just looks, you know, crazy. Yeah. There's a and lot. There's, there's a lot of cool bands yeah, yeah. over there, and we've had some guys on here that are that are not in the not in the rock scene, but um, you know, we had this guy on our show a couple of weeks ago. Denny was talking about, you know, he went over to he went over to Miami, and he was saying like, you know, you know, you do one good show, and all of a sudden you don't know who's in there, kind of thing, and now you're doing this and this and this and that, and getting picked up, and you know, it's really really fast moving, you know, yeah, like, yeah, and uh. Just the way that he kind of explained the scene to me, I was like, "Wow, you yeah, know, like yeah. he's he, he's in Miami, and all of a sudden now has a tour booked to South America." And yeah, wow, that's crazy. It's 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 very fast paced. It's yeah. very you have to keep you like you have to be hungry because everyone else is hungry. It's yeah. like you can't be lazy about it. It's like you you you're in LA. Not everyone gets to go to LA. Like you have to make the most of it. Yeah. And whether that's just you just want to party, like you're there to just party, or you're there because of your career, um, you it's really easy to get sucked into the party thing. Yeah. Um, so would you like make songs for yourself as Blake, or would you do songs just for Molly and the Krills? Mm. Like, would you individually become an individual artist yourself one time? Um, I have. It's. I've been toying with the idea. I've actually been talking yeah. to a producer about working with him on that album worth of songs that I've got that I don't really know what to do with. Um, but it's early days, like a lot of the songs I haven't really finished, but I know that they are kind mm. of like as a songwriter, it's kind of like what I want to say at this point yeah. in time in my life. Um, I just have to get them over the finish line, then I'll take them to him and he might like, you know, the process with the producer is very, every producer is different as well. Like he might not like like some of the songs or he'd be like, they're not quite ready or whatever. Mm. So it's not, so I've got 10 songs. I probably won't be recording 10 songs. Yeah. Might record the best five, might record the best three. Um, yeah. I don't know. But that is something I've been toying with. Yeah. Um, but I try to get it. Um, I try to see if I can make that song, a Molly and the Crow yeah. song first yeah, and yeah. see if I can like weave it into they're what really good in, we're in doing. Musicians as well, does they probably have yeah. ideas for themselves and you're yeah, working exactly. together pretty well. Yeah, yeah. so usually I'll take, I'll take the song in like an acoustic format to yeah. the band and see, because I'm not, I'm not a guitarist. Like yeah. I, can work, I can get around playing guitar, but I'm not a guitarist. So I'll take it to the band and Ian and Dan, who yeah. are the great, guitarists, great guitarist, and yeah. like both rhythm, both lead, like they share the duties will try and come up with ideas to make it a thing. And then I don't speak drums. So when I talk to a drummer, I'm like, can you like do the, the psh, psh? Uh, and so like, so I don't, I don't speak drums. So I'll send them the recording and let them like think it over and yeah, yeah. come up with some ideas and then we'll get into a studio and try and flesh it out. Yeah. 
So we've got two new songs in the works um, that we're doing yeah. in that kind of process oh, at the moment. And then there's another 10 songs I don't really know what to do with. Oh, wow. yeah. Well, that was the most interesting thing about you when I did my research on you because I, you know, I just obviously heard of Molly and the Grills. And then um, when I was looking at you, I was like, wait, you're not a, so- you're not a solo artist. Like I thought just from, you know, all the your kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, I thought I'd imagine that you had this, you know, kind of solo career as well. And, and, and now we're sitting here speaking of it and I think it may be well on the way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. I'm starting to go down that route where I'm starting to appreciate a lot more of like the songwriters, yeah. uh, the troubadour kind of musicians. Yeah, yeah. Um, that and so learning a lot of that kind of stuff and then really analyzing the music and finding out these really cool songwriting techniques and then trying to apply them to my songs and then you know yeah and then that process of trying to make the molly and the crow songs and if that doesn't work just keep them for myself yeah because yeah. your instagram came up and i was like and i clicked on your story and what i would have imagined the song that was on your story like just from looking at you and the mm. song that was actually in your story, I was like, that is just completely two different worlds. Yeah, right. That Was that one of my like my covered series um, ones? No, this was like you putting up songs that you were listening to. So like oh, when I went right. okay, from yeah. me, like going and looking at you and just and just like, and you know, having <laughs> yeah. this idea of like, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of music you're listening to. And then you had this song up there. It was like this singer kind of songwriter, you know, kind of stuff and this real kind of folky tune. And I was like. Singing about their feelings. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I was like. Wow. Okay. All right. Like you know, I was just I was expecting something completely different, and then when you was hit by that, I was like, "Yeah, okay." Like if you went through his Instagram, he does change. Yeah. I feel like Blake goes through. There's phases. different. Yeah, my he friends have this phases. thing. My friends have this thing where right. it's like Blake Mark One, Blake Mark, Mark Two, yeah. Mark Three. I think I'm at Mark <laughs> Four. I think at I was the moment, at the but... first concert of Molly Cruz first started. It was at um, Evolve Bar. And it was a back releases, and what I think, and you. Oh yeah, yeah. It was that you. You bought all of you were in striped. Black or white, like you were That was unintentional, yeah. It was one of those things like in Family Guy where flat cap on, yeah, on the front. Like, this is that's how I remember you as. And then when I saw you, Frankie's again, that's when you changed, yeah. I think you just went through a phase of what you were going through. You should have seen me before that, like before Vanity Riots, and I saw some people before I cut all my hair off, yeah, guy liner, yeah, yeah. It's like that scene in Family Guy where Lois and Peter come out and they're both wearing the same thing, and like one of us is gonna have to change. She just looks at him, is like. Unzip me. <laughs> it's like that. Like none yeah. of us planned that. We just like just wow, happened really. to turn up in the same. But like, even like, Hayden was in black and white. I think I, all of you were. It was, oh. <laughs> I good. thought it was, yeah, it was good. I thought it must be a bad thing. Like Molly Cruz's escape convicts or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hat on as well. Looked like you're. Yeah. It looked. It looked good. It didn't look bad. It just looked really good. And I saw it. Frank is obviously what you look like now. Yeah. And I was like, I wasn't talking about you know things pop up on you and you share things. Oh, this is what I looked. You look like. You're 18, long hair, eye man liner. And yeah, yeah, just different. 18 yeah. years yeah. old, yeah. Yeah. That was really, yeah. That's what it's, I all, it's all my different my different um, marks of my life. Mm. I can't remember what the marks are, but I think I'm up to Mark 4. <laughs> this is Blake Mark 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he wears the same thing. No matter if he's doing beer gardens, Motley, Frank, it's always the same look. You'll turn, like, Black, when I saw you yeah. at that time at... Black jeans, coins. Yeah, well... Yeah. Backwards cap. Well, I bought Converse because of you. Because when I saw you, I was like, yeah. yeah, I had to get yeah, yeah. They work. I think I've had these for like... of different colours now. I was like, oh, I had to keep going. I think this is the first interview where I haven't worn my Converse's and I've tried to dress up a little bit tonight. I don't know why, but, you know... You stand no. out. You stand yeah. out from us. Oh, cheers. 
So with, with you guys cutting short because of the virus, has Molly and the Cruz continued a tour? Like, because it was cut the off? Plan, the plan is to um, went, pick up where we started. Yeah, ironically called What Went Wrong and yeah. we had to cancel it, cut yeah. it short. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've done it now. Uh, so we obviously we had to cut it short because of coronavirus and we kind of figured we've got a bunch of things like we're uh, working on uh, brainstorming ideas to put a music video together for what went wrong yeah. and then as well as that because we recorded two songs with Stevie Knight we've still got one ready to go basically yeah. so that'll come out eventually and yeah. we will probably organize another tour once things calm down yeah. and kind of make up for the fact that we had to cut it short last time um it's probably only going to be a couple of dates because in australia that's just how mm. it goes like there's not really many places unless you're a real like kind of band that outback australians really resonate with mm. yeah. um you can't really go around to all the country towns and play yeah. uh it's, it's kind of difficult to do that but our drummer grew up in leeton which is out near griffith yeah. and so we go out there uh when we do tours as well and they they lap it up because they just love rock music yeah out there. Yeah. so did you have any like music inspirations for you to get into the like the scene the music scene to play bass so did you want to play bass or like yeah well um when i was eight i started playing bass because it was uh, to do with like getting into like the school the, yeah. the music band the school band basically oh. and I wanted to play guitar and the, the music teacher was like we don't need guitar but we need we could <laughs> yeah uh, and I knew how to I was playing piano at the time and she's like the piano spots are already filled but you could play bass guitar because we need like more more, more low end in Nothing's the changed. in the ensemble yeah. Yeah. like I was a guitar player in high school myself like everyone else guitar player I was with Jack yeah. Yeah. Another guy, and we had the, the HSC for four songs, and I changed the bass. It was not a big change because I played, so I know bass like as well. Yeah. So my HSC, I did all four songs on bass. Yeah, sick. And and because someone had to do bass, I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. play bass. And you were and playing, you were playing for everyone else's songs yeah. as well. I'm really bass yeah. playing the whole place. Like, yeah. I'm like, do it easy, yeah. fast. Success. I just think you're lucky they'd never try to move you on a double bass or something like I that. Try, I tried that. It was just oh. like, especially at a young age, like my yeah, fingers yeah. were just too small to handle that, mm. yeah. what, what's required of trying to do double bass. Yeah, you got another oh. bass, Alec? The cameras can't see him, but the man is behind the camera over great, here. Great bassist as well. Oh, nice. I feel like everyone starts out on guitar, but then... <laughs> or an aspiring guitarist. Too many guitarists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same as uh, there are not enough drummers. I was gonna say, yeah. uh, oh, because like so every true. drum, there's that, there's yeah. that, like that running joke that every drummer's in like three or four bands. Yeah, it's true. Because I was trying to find a drummer for Snow Leopard, Stavros's dad. So yeah. Looking for someone. I'm like, I don't know any. I don't know anyone. Yeah, and it's drum. also really hard with drummers too, because there's like good drummers and then there's yeah, especially drummers that can't play time. And it's like that's your job. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are literally meant to be a metronome. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh my God. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there are, yeah, there are, there are, and usually like the good ones will get snapped up really quickly as well. Mm. Like if they're not already playing like four bands, they'll get snapped up really quickly or they already know people and they're like, 
we need a drummer and you're free so let's do the same same way i got the first drummer in, Mo- in molly and the crows it's yeah. like yeah. i know your band just broke up like a month ago Bang. i need a drummer straight away yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and one more thing like because i think we're gonna have to wrap it up pretty soon but no what worries. advice would you give to like um you know aspiring musicians and you know young kids trying to start a band i suppose um it's a good question uh well, as long as the thing is what advice would you give to to bands you know to keep them together because you seem to have you know a bit of longevity with your band yeah oh uh, well I, i've had my fair share of bands breaking up as well like a lot of the time it's inevitable um you just you have to be friends as well you can't just be playing music because you're in a band and this is what you do like you have to be friends like if you're not enjoying it you know there's, there's no point doing it um but at the same time like um i you know, i guess what you call like i've been called a lifer before and it's like this is my life like music i i can't do anything else mm. this is the only thing that i'm really qualified for i'm in this for life you you join bands with like um, my friend monica the singer that was in vanity runs she she runs a um social media marketing thing she coaches younger bands things like that she put a post up about like the difference between a lifer and a weekend warrior and it's like you can't be in bands you can't if you're a lifer you can't allow yourself to be held back by being in a band with a weekend warrior whereas it's kind of just like a bit of fun they don't really take it seriously they don't really want to invest a lot of money into it that kind of thing and it's like if you are a weekend warrior you either need to step up or step down yeah. it's like you need to either stop being unfair to the person that is running the whole thing or like that this means a lot to mm-hmm. or you need to like just accept the fact that you know this isn't for me or or just you know it's it's okay to be a weekend warrior mm-hmm. but you know find other people that are on the same level as you yeah. um so it's that's a difficult question yeah. to say what i'd say to younger people or younger bands you have to enjoy it yeah i think that's pretty good advice yeah. to be honest with you yeah. it's pretty vague but <laughs> it's i i just honest i can't honest, yeah, yeah i can't figure out what else to say like you have to you have to enjoy what you do and you have to be doing it with people that you you enjoy being around yeah but for the for you when you were like 19 18 19 when you said you when you started this journey um what would you tell them? what advice would you go back and give you know younger Blake what would you tell him to you know to get to get him ahead I suppose um well, difficult Foxy said that you say she loved your dedication to the music and how serious you are to it and that's why she wanted you to to come along to the hot yeah because I sort yeah. of interview about hots and you and that's what she said about you Yeah. She loved your dedication yeah. to the music and that's probably a great advice. Yeah. That you you've got the dedication to be that lifetime musician yeah. you are now. Yeah. I suppose the reason that we're like I'm trying to grill you so much on this question is cuz <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out cuz so many bands that we've had on here and like Paul's mentioned your name yeah. and they're like they're like oh we were so nervous about meeting him and then he yeah. turned out to be this really nice yeah, guy and stuff like that. Yeah, they think the same that. thing they're like oh we oh, saw really? Blake on stage like he <laughs> they were intimidated yeah, by like every, your confidence but then when you made it like down to earth guy humble yeah, right. guy and even tonight i feel like Thanks. i've been a little bit nervous tonight uh you know doing this interview because I've, i've just seen all your kind of like 
projects and, you know, even doing a bit of research on you, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, it was kind of that reaction to it. And I, I'm, I'm honestly asking this question, you know, in terms of like, like what can what can you do as you know to get a bit of, get ahead and look better? Yeah, trying to trying to suss out some of your secrets, I suppose. Yeah, I feel like I could say if if there's something that you really want to do, yeah. even if it's scary, like stepping out of your comfort zone is a is a good and healthy thing to do. Yeah, Just do it. Like if you if you earn it, if you go out and do it yourself and you earn it, you've earned it. Like yeah. it's it wasn't given to you by someone else. They can't hold that over you. And take it away whenever they want. If you've earned something yourself, it's yours, mm. as opposed yeah. to just latching onto other people. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks, thanks, Blake, for coming on tonight, mate. It's Pleasure. been, a, it's been an thanks honor for having you. Yeah, it's been fun. I liked it. I was like, I just wanted, to, I wanted to actually crash. I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you too, man. Okay, I want to know myself as well. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me as well. Yeah, no worries. We should do it again in like a year's time and see what's changed. Yeah, we'll, yeah, definitely. We'll have to be amazing.